welcome to the Western North London podcast, where Arsenal have set the town on fire. <laughs> I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Uh, Tim, we were saying, like, this today was so memorable that we literally forgot about what happened at Leicester. Yeah, no, I, I I had to review and rewatch the highlights to kind of remember what happened because during that game it was just or this game was just so today's game was so just wonderful. I had I I can't remember the last time I had so much fun watching an Arsenal game. It's been quite some time since I've had this much joy. I I, I mean, beating Manchester United was was a fantastic feeling. Uh, yes, recently, and they just keep topping themselves. Yeah, like. This tea, I, oh, I think after this game, I was like, man, wouldn't it be exciting to really go all the way with this? Like it wow. is, it's starting to feel like there's momentum building because I think there's always been this concern that when Arsenal stumbles, the wheels mm-hmm. are going to fall off. And I think they're showing that the wheels haven't fallen off. That it was, it was a momentary blip and they can really get back on track now. Well, I'm really starting to feel like the title challenge is real. My, my, my expectations for the season have definitely changed from where they were at the start of the season. And I think that's for, for better or worse. I mean, I think there's a definitely a higher level of uh, disappointment available than coming into the season and my expectations coming in. <laughs> there's more available to us. Like yes. we already, we we've already been accustomed to disappointment. So now we've reached a new tier of disappointment because yes. we've set our sights so much higher. <laughs> exactly. I mean, not to jinx it, but I think the qualifying for Champions League at this point, especially with the fifth uh, spot added in, is going to be much more achievable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, again, I have this fear of jinxing it, but I think there that, that goal is something that is... Uh, uh, we've almost reached that point. And now we're hitting the stretch goals, I guess, or what we're saying. Yeah. And I like, I'm, I'm very scared to talk about it. I think every Arsenal fan is, uh-huh. but we do when we have performances like this, when we have the position we're in, there is a little bit of reality of this could be really fun. I mean, it already is really fun, but the, the, there, there is a goal at the end of the season that we don't, again, I don't want to talk about it. Like, I feel like if I say it in words, it's going to jinx it. But I think everyone listening to this podcast knows what I mean. Okay. Well, we're going to come back to this because we've got, I want to talk about it after we talk, talk about this game today. Because yeah. I think that's, um, I think you have to talk about it in that context, right? So yes. we'll, we'll come back to this. Uh, but for now, what do you got to drink this week? Um, I'm trying to remember if we, Actually, if I actually had this one on before, but it's a menace beer, which uh, surprise, surprise, um, it's the uh, Mopa, the Mosaic Pale Ale that we make once a year, and it's what's in my kegerator right now, which is why I'm drinking it. It's a wonderful beer. It's one of my favorite single hops that we do. It's uh, you know just south of an IPA with an IPA that or IPA ABV of gosh, I should know this off the top of my head. I believe it's right around six percent so it's a it's just you know a step below a, a true ipa but has with the mosaic i don't know if, if you if you like mosaics but they're mosaics. I do actually yeah um, i'm trying to think i feel like uh, nankasi had a good, a good mosaic oh yeah um i 
trying to remember what it, it was It wasn't called. the Triceratops. It was, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about, but yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a wonderful beer. Unfortunately, I got the, uh, the last, uh, six barrel of it. So, which is in sitting in my keg right now and now it's gone for another year. So you'll have to wait till next year to try it at Menace Brewing. But when it comes out, definitely do it. Yeah, I am, I'm into those mosaic hops that I remember being pretty impressed with those. Yeah, we do a fresh hop of it when we can get our hands on the the fresh mosaics. And it's it's spectacular. Just a single single hop beers sometimes are disastrous, but mosaic is such a robust hop that it really can carry the whole beer. Mm-hmm. Well, um, prismatic, was that what it was? Yes, I think it was prismatic. Yeah. Because it's a mosaic, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Um, that took me way too long to find that answer. <laughs> okay. What about you? I ha- I, I'm doing whiskey this week. I was in a whiskey nice. mood. I'm I'm just going for the Pendleton that was in the front of the cupboard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pendleton's but, good. We've talked about it before. Yeah, I, I do like this one. It's got a... <clears throat> ooh. <laughs> it's settling in my throat right now. Um, yeah, I just I like that that level of um, smokiness. Mm-hmm. Are you are you a fan of like the uh, peated scotches, like those really smoky scotches? Or I will try them, but mm-hmm. I don't order them typically. Like I wouldn't go for a scotch; I'd go for a bourbon. Um, I go more that direction. But yeah, uh, I- the peatiness it it it's hit or miss for me. Some of them like it's really uh a good level and i can do that but if it's way over the top it kind of is too much for me yeah i mean i i'm i actually go scotches over bourbon i do like a little peatiness but i'm not a huge like over the top like what is it lafarag yes lafarag is that what it lagavulin as well like those Mm -hmm. are like really overly peaty is not necessary in my cup of tea but like a McKellen is absolutely one of my favorites. Glen Fettich, just like a little bit of the it there to to uh, show you. Uh, Dunwinnie is another one, or Bellwinnie, not Dunwinnie, Bellwinnie. I think I need to try more. I have had some, but not like I'm not versed in all the different um, scotches that are out there. So, Did, have I ever told the story of my New Year's resolution? The best New Year's resolution ever. You mean other than being kinder to Enkedia? Yeah, well, that's also very, <laughs> uh, it's been testing that I've gone through. But my other New Year's resolution that was amazing was I hadn't been a whiskey drinker. So I made a New Year's resolution to learn to how to drink whiskey. So mm. I bought a new bottle of whiskey every month and uh, tried it out. So I, and then went, when I'd go places, if I saw a whiskey that was semi affordable, I'd go and try it and learn about it. Yeah. So I, I, I learned a lot about what I liked and disliked about whiskeys that year. So. Oh, that's good. Did you, did you like write it down so you could keep track of everything? Uh, no, just a, a lot of trial and error. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm willing to take more. I did read about whiskeys. I always like with New Year's resolutions not to do one that's like, you know, I'm going to lose 30 pounds or I'm going to mm. drink less or anything. I, I like doing achievable New Year's resolutions. <laughs> yes. Drinking, drinking more yes. and learning along the way. Exactly. Drinking with a purpose. Yes. All right. What do you have for your Timbit this week? Well, uh, after the game, actually, I had to do a bunch of chores today because it's my day off. So you do chores. Uh-huh. And my, uh, my, what I was doing, I was listening to a podcast that had a bunch of Tottenham supporters on it. 
and the the they're kind of the reason I listened to it was the title, which is "Are You Successful Without Winning Trophies?" Which I thought was <laughs> a pretty funny title to uh-huh. talk about Tottenham, and it was really them trying to justify their their lack of winning trophies. And can they consider themselves successful without winning trophies? It's uh, the Athletic Podcast, which is a great podcast in general. Uh, and one of the funniest things that one of them said was that although they didn't win trophies and that that, that wasn't what they defined success, they defined success by that they had this shiny new stadium. And I thought that was the most like ridiculous thing to say. And the most Tottenham Spursy thing to say, and then uh, so I, I I just wondered, what would you take instead of winning a title? Like, would you take a million dollars instead of winning a title? Would you take like me personally, you personally, <laughs> or Arsenal? Like, what, what what would it take for you to be okay not winning a trophy? Hmm. I mean, that million dollars does sound nice. <laughs> so you could be bought up for a million dollars personally for uh, Arsenal not winning a title in 20 years? Well, you know, they, they've gone this long. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no I think it, at this point, gosh, what would I what would I take to not have them win a title? Because like, yeah. I, that is, that's tough. Um, you know, they... Uh, I don't know. I I feel like it's 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 something I feel like I need to see, and I don't know if uh, I can't guarantee that this will the stars mm. will align again. So if you're if you're in this position, I think you I I don't it's it's priceless, right? Like yeah, I don't I don't know when I'm going to ever witness this if it happens. I, I mean, cannot a- guarantee anything. That's the thing when I was listening to that podcast, as I was thinking, because they were trying to like just you know explain away the idea of not winning trophies, and I understand that like you can enjoy soccer in other ways. There's a lot of other things. There's a camaraderie, the fact that we get to talk with friends every week about soccer. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other things, but at the end of the day, the point is to win trophies. And if you're not winning anything, you might as well get really passionate about the theater or like <laughs> or something yeah. else because. At the end of the day, it is about winning trophies, and I don't, I don't think there's much I would trade. I mean, sure, if someone handed me, I think it would have to be more than a million dollars, to be honest. If someone handed me like, you never have to worry about money for the rest of your life, I think I could be okay with Arsenal not winning a trophy. But I don't even know if I'd take that. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't. I, your priceless is a good uh, word that you use. Well, I'll put it this way: I'm about to have my third kid, and. Like it, as far as life moments, the the birth of a, your own child is pretty amazing, and I'm excited to do that for an, another time. But um, if you look at all the life moments and like the big things, the like most elation, the most high, highest of highs, mm-hmm. you uh, you a lot of them I feel like have to do with sports. Like some of my like when Sounders won MLS Cup first time and and uh, being at the champion champions league final and winning that that like those were it it just it doesn't get more exciting than that and that's and and that's because those those things those teams those players they're close to you you know like you are intertwined with those those players and i think with us being 
podcasters for this team too. Like we've committed a good chunk of our lives talking about this team. So them getting to the highest point and, you know, that's just a, a, a huge achievement that we can't, uh, you know, you can't put a price on it. Is, it is something that, uh, to witness that, to be along for that journey. I think like there's a few things that compare when that pays off. Yeah. Like it, it's a culmination of everything that you, you, you invest in. And we're, just, we're not even the players. I mean, yeah. imagine how they feel. <laughs> exactly. So like, yeah, you know, I, I think it would definitely have to be more than a shiny new stadium <laughs> to, to justify it. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a cop out. I, we had the, for, for the longest time, our stadium was our, chain too i mean we've mm-hmm. been through that where that stadium played you know building the emirates played a big role in the trajectory of the team and it got used a lot as like uh a cop-out as to you know we, we got to pay off the stadium you know <laughs> we got to be frugal and so for the, the state the stadium is such a great excuse that that teams like to throw out there or fans like to to use when things aren't going your way um, it's nice to hear them talk about it instead of us. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard about the the latest thing about their stadium? No. Uh, the the headline in the uh, Guardian was the, my favorite, which was White Cart Lane, which is that they're uh, they're uh, building in a go kart racetrack under in one of the parts of the stadium. What for uh, Formula One, like pre Formula One kart racing? Under under the stadium, yeah, I guess under one of the 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 stands, there'll be a go kart racetrack. Weird, yeah. And so now with uh, holding events like Beyonce, the press release was gold and is amazing because the press release was saying with the go kart concerts like Beyonce, NFL football, rugby, all the events that they're having, eighty seven percent of the world's population is interested in events that are happening at the Tottenham Stadium. Was their press release? 87 percent yes wow i think it's it, and i guess someone had commented on the underneath it saying that well they serve water so about 100 percent of the population is interested in the events that are happening in tottenham City. <laughs> uh, they, they just they got knocked out of the fa cup today <laughs> was that today i think it was today that was today yes um yeah, they just can't get out of their own way. It's gonna yeah. be, it's gonna be the stadium for the rest of their story. <laughs> like, remember when we built that amazing stadium? Even yeah. when it gets surpassed, they'll be looking back at the time they built that stadium. Yeah, as I said, uh, listen to that athletic podcast for a good uh, Schadenfreude laugh. <laughs> All right. Well, we are we're on to the fun stuff because. It, we've got nothing but good things to talk about. But first, the Forgotten Game. Oh, yes. Cannot forget the Forgotten Game. Um, <laughs> I, we both had to do a refresher on this because it was just, uh, it had faded completely from my memory. I knew we scored a goal. I yeah. could not remember the rest of the game. Yeah. As I, I, someone asked me, like, oh, how was the Arsenal game? And my response was, it was a game. We got three points. <laughs> stuff <laughs> happened. Stuff happens. But it, it was definitely not one that's a, uh, Gonna live long in my memory. <laughs> no, um, I don't know if the goal, the the scoreline, really told the story. 
because this was one that seemed pretty pretty lopsided. I felt like mm-hmm. it, it was it was uh, ours to ours to take from the very beginning. Uh, did you feel pretty confident going into this one? Not necessarily going in. I know that they were uh, missing a, a couple key components in their team and have been struggling in general. Uh, they'd been struggling really to uh, stay defensively solid. And so that uh, that made me excited, or not excited, but confident going in. I thought, I mean, for but for whatever reason, I feel like Leicester can be a boogie team to us. You know, I mean, post-Vardy hangovers and that sort of thing. But I, I felt pretty confident going in that we should be able to get some joy out of the game. And as you said, you know, overall, it, the 1-0 didn't show how dominant we were. And I remember, I do remember this, which was uh, as, uh, I think it was like in the 75th minute or so, their stadium started emptying out because even their fans knew that they, were, they weren't going to score a goal. It's, it's one of those games that I think we could play another 90 minutes and Leicester wouldn't have scored. Yeah, they just did not have a viable threat. Even you know they tried, they tried everything they could. They like you said, they brought Vardy on. They 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 did some things, but not not really anything that had an effect on the game. Um, But let's let's talk about Arsenal for a second here because this was the first time we got to see uh, Trossard play as a a number nine false nine perhaps um so that was that was a big switch so how did you feel about that that experiment for that first game um i think i was excited i do or i i have been excited to see what trissard can offer in that position that we've been so reliant since uh since the end of the world cup essentially on enkedia and he has been performing uh, relatively well under the circumstances but you know having another option I was very excited to see what that meant and I think of our transfer window that was the thing that made me the most nervous is not finding another true striker mm-hmm. uh, so I was excited to see how that would work it's a it's very interesting to see that now since the window is closed we're really leaning heavily on both uh, Trissard and Jorginho already mm-hmm. and i think it, it i was excited to see how that shakeup would affect the lineup excited might, might not be the right word but interested to see how those that that that, that shakeup of the lineup would affect the team whether it would really affect the chemistry of the team how these two these new players would really kind of fit in and so in that regard it was a i i, I welcomed it to be honest yeah, I I was excited for something new as well. I I was I think we all had been waiting to see if maybe Martinelli would get a shot at playing that role, but I think we've seen in little glimpses that Trissard is very dangerous and can be an effective attacking threat. Um it was I mean, it, go ahead. I mean, to be honest, uh, when you have Chisarda in that, you kind of get the best of both worlds, which is I think Martinelli does get little shots. The way they, those two interchange, mm-hmm. and we saw it in this game, it really means that we're seeing both Martinelli and Chisarda playing that that striker role. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say the, the, the change in the dynamic is so apparent compared to what Enkedia brings. He has uh, a little bit more 
mobility out going out into the wings. Whereas Enkedi has very he'll 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 go throughout the box, but he's not going to chase somebody and and make something happen. Or is he? Nor is he going to interchange with um, Martinelli. It, you know that that uh, f- positional flexibility isn't really there from from Enkedi, whereas Trossard is able to really create triangles, create problems, move move around and get into dangerous areas. And I think it opens up Martinelli to do that that same sort of um intrusive run into the that more central area. And when Enkedi is in that space, it limits what Martinelli can do. And I think we had seen pretty clearly that without Jesus, Martinelli had not been doing as well. Um he just didn't have that same interchange interplay that he needed to get the space that he requires to do what he does best. And that's uh, really been unlocked by a Trissard in the last game, last couple games. And I'm really, really excited by that, that addition to the team. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, the uh, injury to Jesus coincided with the lack of form of Martinelli. You can really tell that those that was like a very kind of interlocking cog that when you removed one of those pieces, it became harder. Uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing that Enkedi is kind of one-dimensional. I think at points in the first ha- half of the gate of today's game, which I'm sure we'll get, get into, there were points where you kind of missed having a more straightforward game plan. Hmm. But I think it's nice that we have multiple game plans. And, you know, as I always say, different horses for different courses. There's different, when you're given different puzzles to unlock, you have different keys to use. And, I, and you know, just seeing this game, I think this is definitely one of the positives coming out of this Leicester game is I felt that that, it it definitely worked. Whatever the Trissard, Martinelli, Trissard, False Nine thing felt like it really worked even on the first attempt. Yeah, it was, I I have to also call out Jorginho, who Mm. I think has, has been fantastic. Um, But I think when you look at his play over the last uh, couple games versus party, who we've seen almost in equal measure since they um, each had a half today, uh, it's, it is apparent that they they play different games, mm-hmm. um, and I really do enjoy what Georgina brings from the passing perspective. He he does have a good straightforward approach; like he will charge forward and find a good strong pass down the the center of the pitch, and that's I think something that um, Party is is good at picking out a pass, but he tends to kind of uh, go more wide in his distribution and and play more short balls, whereas Georgina's looking a little bit further ahead and, and can get the ball there. And, and I like the speed that he puts on his passes and, and the intensity that he plays with, I think is um, really great. But party man, he comes in and you're like, how did he's just cutting out passes? Like I think he, his, mm-hmm. his intelligence and his positioning is uh, really, really good. And the way that he's able to, to make blocks in and uh, be a really solid defensive player it is a different it just he he plays it a lot differently than uh Jorginho and so it's it's really nice to have players that bring equally good qualities but um just give you a different look 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard to talk about this game without talking about today's game. And I know we, we should get into the details, but when you bring up the the Jorginho versus Party, you hit the nail on the head, which is I Jorginho just is a different player, and it's it, I like what he brings. I really do. I've been he's been so impressive the games he's played since we've uh, since he's come onto the team. But then when you saw Party come on the second half of today's game, you saw a different way that Arsenal can play and it got it, that got me excited as well it's a it, again it's it's we're at a point right now where we can really kind of shape this team into several different modes of attack and it's it's very exciting and and it's nice to see in certain positions in a lot of positions right now just not striker but in a lot of positions our replacements aren't one's not better than the other. It's they're just different. And the, I think maybe the best part is that we're it, the way these players are able to come, come in and play, they're giving Arteta problems. Like mm-hmm. he has to think, well, maybe my better, my better solution is to leave and on the bench. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's huge. You just brought in a guy that, that upgrade gives you an upgrade or at least a, um, a different look up front that you didn't have before. And I, I didn't really see that coming. I mean, I, I knew that he could play that. But I knew that Trissard could play in that false nine. He'd done so before, but um, when they, they signed him, I just didn't really think of him as a potential um, asset in that area. Just maybe as somebody who could fill in once in a while, but he just does some things that Nkedia can't, which is really nice. I mean, in hindsight, it kind of makes sense because really when you look at Arteta's pedigree, although Arteta is his own manager, he has a lot of influence from Pep Guardiola. Mm-hmm. And Pep would kind of prefer to play this the formation that we had in this Leicester game, with, which is basically without a true striker. And I think Arteta has really taken that page from Pep's book, which is that you don't don't use a true striker. You use that uh, false nine. You use that uh, that uh, flowing attacking band to create most multiple attack points. And so, I, 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 it, as the season's progressing, our transfer window is making more and more sense. Mm-hmm. And it's it's um, amazing, really, to come out with your seemingly second or third choice options. Um, from the transfer window and have them look this good this quickly. I mean, that's, that's pretty good recruiting, good, uh, good business. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that you could go come out of a January window much looking much better. I mean, they didn't go crazy on the spending, but they came out with two assets that will push the rest of the team through the end of the season. Well, I mean, and I think with specifically with Jorginho, you, you kind of compared Jorginho to Mudrik in some ways, in my mind. And what you got was Jorginho is a short-term solution. I don't think Jorginho is going to be here in three years. That's just mm. the the way of the business. He might, but it'd be playing a much more bit role. Whereas Mudrik is like a player that we were looking for like for a five, six-year plan. And so basically what happened is we lost our long-term plan, but we made a good short-term deal. Yeah, and it's, if, if you can turn that into... Uh, a, a Premier League title, if you mm-hmm. can turn that certainly into a champion, 
uh, Champions League berth, then you've kicked the can down uh, another year forward where you can actually go out and get another level of player once you've qualified. So I think that it's not a bad idea to put push things off. And if you go out and and you can get a Declan Rice because you waited a year and now he's mm-hmm. in a position to um, sign, I think then that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And I, I really, the only thing I have to talk about this game before we move on to the next is that I, today's game is really what I want to talk about today, well, but we, we, should, we, we should talk about the goal. Yeah. We, we should talk about the two goals because I, I would say Trissard scored a very oh. nice goal in this game that oh. got called off for some stupid VAR shenanigans again. I mean, our, I, ArsCast covered this very well, and I don't want to tread on that ground because I'm sure everyone else also listens to the ArsCast, but uh, they, it was a foul. Ben White holding the keeper's hand is a foul, but it wasn't called during run of play, mm-hmm. and it wasn't clear and obvious. And just like the handball, I, I'm at this point don't know when you can call VAR into question because very soon after... Saka got what I thought, like in run of play, I thought was an obvious penalty. Mm-hmm. And they didn't call VAR for that. And <laughs> I'm just tired of VAR. I really, really, I, I, I don't like it. I'm done with it. I'm over it. I've said it many times at this point in the podcast. I, 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 I don't think it adds anything and I think it takes away at this point. Yeah. I, and it's just, it just doesn't seem to benefit us often enough we mm-hmm. might have different uh, opinion if it felt like it was yeah. we had I mean, a better track record but i feel like more often than not we get kind of the short end of the var stick i mean it did benefit us today but that's a yeah <laughs> but i think you know i i'd almost rather that be a 50 50 like i would rather even the playing field and and allow the the um the ref to make the the offside call in real time and not have to hold his flag down for a, a video assistant to take a look. Like I feel like w- we've said it before more often than not, they're going to get it right. They could have gotten it wrong today, but yeah. I like, I would, I would let that go to get some of those other stupid ones out of the, <laughs> out of the way. You know, it's like, plus it took away such a beautiful goal <laughs> that, that just our hit that strike was just gorgeous i was just re-watching it before we started and i'm like i i it sucks that you take that away you know right and it's that's what they're i thought they were trying to get goals into this game like mm-hmm. that's what's exciting you should not be looking to disallow those sorts of goals especially when there was a moment for that goalkeeper to reset it didn't prevent yeah. him from getting a, a a block on that that shot i just don't I don't buy it by that that's was detrimental to that play, you know, and yeah. it, he, he was not, he was not impeded enough on the actual goal for that to be such a huge call. Like it just didn't need to be made. And then like, you know, I mean, I know, and we're talking about this with definitely rose colored glasses, definitely arsenal colored glasses on it, but mm-hmm. also those types of plays happen all the time of in, in, in the box. And, you don't get that called hardly ever. Like shirts are being pulled. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of hurly burly. And if you started calling all of that, then, you know, this game's going to descend into chaos and there, mm-hmm. I don't, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, for me, 
I just, I, I hate the fact that there's inconsistencies in how clear and obvious is applied. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, when you think about that, that's a squishy word as well. Like what does clear and obvious mean? Like you offsides, I'm, I'm actually semi for offsides VAR for calling on and offsides calls because it is, there's a very clear definition. As soon as you start using squishy, taking squishing words like clear and obvious or things like that, you're, you're, you're just moving it a step back. Suddenly it's not the referee on the field making these calls, but these officials in the back room that are making the call, but you're still making a, a judgment that's not a binary judgment. Because, I mean, like, what, what can you say is clear and obvious? Like, what, what, what actually does that mean? It's like the definition of pornography, right? You know it when you see it. I, I, yeah, I, that is the thing I want to understand the most. And that is when, when are they looking at something seriously and when are they not? And what is the criteria? Because mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if it's like they're all just like, well, I, you know, they're watching a replay in real time and like going, well, I would have made the same call and then moving on. Or are they actually like pulling all of these plays apart with equal measure? Because I think that's that's the missing piece is like, sure, you're watching the same game I'm watching, but how much are you digging into? Like what what gets the scrutiny and what doesn't? Because it doesn't seem like it's applied equally. And it, it, if if they're still relying on a human at the end of the day, if you're still relying on somebody who would have made it could have made equally bad calls on the field. Now they're, now they're sitting in a booth making bad calls. It doesn't change anything. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it is taking away goals there. As you said, they're, what they're looking at are goals scored, not, you know, defensive plays. Like the, uh, the, uh, onus is much heavier on a striker that's just scored a goal rather than a defender who's made it a defensive play, especially mm-hmm. outside the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it tends to be more taking away goals than it is allowing, you know, offensive teams to play games and score goals. So, yeah, because if that was working the way that you think it would, Saka would have way more yeah. fouls. I mean, like you just you look at the game and you can see if you're looking at what defenders are doing and you're trying to protect players, then you know that the VAR doesn't help you do that. Like that it's, it's not, it's not about evening things out. It's about adding more scrutiny to the the goal side of the game, which isn't, isn't the part we really want to disrupt as much as it has been. Like I, I'm every time they score a goal, I'm still holding my breath. Like yeah. it's too, it's too much. Like it, it, for as much joy as we get out of games like today where they have a lot of goals, it's, for every every goal is is a moment of stress unless it's very clear that they are on side if there's any any sort of foul any sort of anything that could have possibly popped up in an area of the screen you weren't watching it's like yeah. well i guess i'll wait and see i mean was it this season or last season that there was a goal that was called back uh, like for a play that happened like literally 30 seconds before the goal was scored oh i feel like that has happened a couple times to us where it's yeah. just like the um, the phase of play or what the phase of attack or whatever they yeah. call it, it. It's like that, that window can be whatever they want it to be. There is no, uh, tried and true rule of, of this is what counts as a, uh, an, an offense that you can roll things back to like how far back in the game do you want to, um, look to find something to disallow a goal? It seems like there, if there's no, and, uh, uh, 
set before you go go looking for things, you could decide whatever you want. I mean, there's just there's no rules around how they should be treating these things. And maybe that's what's missing is like you're still applying the old rule book to a very new technology and you're getting very mixed results, which I guess is to be expected until somebody pulls the trigger on updating things. But uh, instead of talking about goals that were disallowed as beautiful as they were, let's talk about the one goal in this game that was allowed, which is Martinelli's in the, uh, what was it? Uh, In the 46th minute. Yeah, that was just what we needed. Uh, It's it's just what he needed. I, I thought his garbage time goal, we'll call it in the previous game, um, where he gets to basically just walk it in. Um, I thought, man, that's, that is, that is hopefully what he required to get back into, to the swing of things. And then this, this addition of Trossard really was the additional spark. I think he needed, um, he has looked such a better player, just, just look more involved. He's popping up in different areas. He's, like I, the there was a point today I think in uh the the Saka goal where he's he's on the complete opposite side mm-hmm. of the field with uh Zinchenko and I'm I it was it was confusing to to I'm sure every defender on that side when you've got like a, a player that's willing to roam and go find the game but that's somebody who's who's feeling confident and really looking to um impose himself and I think he's he's looked a very different player these last three games. I mean, like just coming off, I think coming off the bench mm-hmm. um, was, was also a, it, it gave him some room to breathe, to recover. And I, I think he's, he's much, much improved over the, this short period and four goals and three games is not, not a bad return. Yeah. And I mean, and that goal, that strike was just so nice. It was just, exactly positioned right to hit that corner of the far post. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's not just his movement and not just, uh, you know, the tricks that he does. It's also, he's a deadly marksman. He knows how to get that ball into the one place it will go into the net. And it's, yeah, that goal is lovely to see. And, is a finish that is, you know, a world-class finish. I'm, I, I'm so excited about Martinelli. I'm, 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 I'm glad uh, he's on our team. Oh, absolutely. Did you get a, a little worried when he uh, was on the ground injured after that goal? Yeah, especially since he was clutching his knee. I was like, oh gosh, that's like the worst, worst of the place, worst place he could be um, injured as far as uh, he is concerned. And I, I just was grateful to have the replay that showed him getting stomped on like I, you never want to see somebody get hurt but i was like okay well we can handle yeah. handle a contact injury they'll just put the the magic ice on him and he'll be all right um and, yes. and that that was i guess everybody as the team surrounded him it was like okay well this t- took a lot of the sting out of that goal but uh I, I was super glad when they got to lift him up and get get to the celebrating and really that that was surprisingly the the game winning goal. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, as we said at the beginning, just to sum up the game, it was, it was a game that uh, felt like Arsenal could have won by a much handier margin. 
or not even that, but it just felt like Arsenal was always in control of that game. And yeah. once a goal went in, Arsenal was always in control. I think it tells a lot that the fans left early. Like in the, I think it was 75th, 80th minute, the fans started leaving because they knew it wasn't going to happen. And it was, it's one of those games that, you know, it's the the pile of three points that build great seasons, you know? Yeah. It, was, it was nice to feel in control, though. I mean, I, that was, I think a one goal lead would typically leave you feeling a little vulnerable, but it, it, it didn't really feel that way. Yep. Nothing spectacular, but it is three points in the bank and we move on. We do to brighter things. So <laughs> uh, amazingly, I think this game came with some questions that needed to be answered in terms of how Everton played us previously. Um, this was, this was a, a redemption game that mm-hmm. needed to, needed to happen. Um, and through m- most of this game, at least the first half, I wasn't sure. Um, I wasn't entirely sure how things were going to go. Um, it felt like we had the the better um, vibe in this game from the beginning, but it wasn't turning into a goal. And then it 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 was making me think, well, maybe they haven't figured out how to unlock this Everton Everton defense where they've thrown everybody behind the ball and just asked us to figure it out. Um, but and they, it, it was only a matter of time, really, because they just Arsenal looked patient. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've 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 been struggling with teams, and I mean, this is a Arsenal failing from you know ages where they we can play great soccer against great teams, but when a team comes down to destroy us or destroy the game and just sit back and we have to 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 break them down, we've had trouble. You know, Newcastle is an example. That first Everton game, uh, there's there's plenty of examples of teams being able to stymie us, and you know. Going into the game, I was more nervous about this game than I was about the Leicester game mm-hmm. because of the res- previous result, because I know what Sean Dice does to a team, because I know it was going to be physical. It was going to be uh, the dark arts. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Onani? On, on, gosh. Onana. Onana. From like well, third minute going down, he went down in three times in the first 10 minutes for yeah. contact to the face. <laughs> Very, right. very questionable contact. Yes, which uh, the announcer was, seemed to think was very justified. But anyways, uh, <laughs> so you, you knew that that's how uh, they were going to play. But it was really interesting. I, I was I watched the post game interviews uh, from Saka and Ben White, and it was Saka who said he's learning to be patient. That when you're facing these teams and you spend forty minutes bang your head against the wall. You don't get frustrated. You know that if you be patient, if you trust the system, if you do the things correctly, you'll get your shot. And I think that was the story of the first half of this game is it was, yeah, I mean, hats off to Everton. They, they did frustrate Arsenal. They did stop it. It felt like Arsenal was attacking mainly down the, uh, the left side going down Martinelli's side. And when it got to Martinelli, it just kind of hit a, a, a cul-de-sac, a dead, a dead end mm-hmm. and, and nothing was happening once he got down there. But all it took really was a, a, a brilliant pass. Zinchenko, who I thought was spectacular this game, if you, if you in real time, and then when you wa- go back and watch the highlights, he was everywhere 
doing amazing passes. He had one really bad pass in the first half, and we'll we'll gloss over that one. But uh, he's uh, good for one of those or two of those. Yeah, I mean, Jaka bailed him out on that pass. But uh, but uh, overall, it took a, a moment of brilliance to and went, once we broke down that Everton team, they had to change tactics and. So I think it's important for our team and it's a lesson I think they've learned, which is just be patient. Know that you can, you, you'll you get your chances and just be ruthless when you do get that chance. Yeah, and I think it's really key to our game to uh, score first. Mm-hmm. And if, you can, if they can get that first goal, it, it plays right into what we're trying to do and, and it opens up the game in a way that allows the best out of this team. So I think whenever we score first, I feel pretty confident that things are going to gradually go in our favor. And with the amount of depth that we've been able to um, add to the bench, I think it it, it uh, means that as long as we can continue to play that high level, teams are going to wear out. And, and you can bring in a guy like party off the bench um you, you know emil smith rose coming oh, yeah. coming back in this uh you know that kind of quality is uh not something that even the starting lineup of of lester can really compete with yeah i mean tamiyasu tyranny like <laughs> almost mm-hmm. in every position but striker we can just put a player in that is about equal level to what we have in our starting lineup yeah, and, and even and, and Kedia coming in, I, yeah. I think was was nice to have, and ends up getting an assist in this game. So I think it was um, a full team sort of performance, which is n- nice to have that group contribution. Yeah, and it, and it really, I, I I think we have so many good attacking threats that the second we score that goal, and a team has to open up and change their defensive patterns. Mm-hmm there you know that second goal is coming i mean it didn't happen with the Leicester game but uh in general i feel like you 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 know that there's way too many threats and you know and just as an overall part of the game once the second half started the second half was everton knew that they were kind of damned if you do damned if you don't if they stay back and defend arsenal's just happy to pass in their their backfield and hold a clean sheet and arsenal defense is more than capable of doing that or if they try and open up and try and get back level, you leave the spaces for Sokka's, Odegaard's, Martinelli's, Trissard's, Jorginho's, parties, all these players to to come and just rip you open. Yeah, I think it was um getting that second goal too before the before the half, I think that felt like the real dagger in this game. Especially um you know, it's called offside and the the whole play was kind of weird in the sense that it, it seemed like it should have been a foul for Odegaard. Nothing was called, not even advantage played, which was surprising to me. I thought I had to go back and rewatch it because I thought advantage had been played since everybody kind of stopped or it hesitated a little bit. Yeah. And uh, ref lets play go on. Paul just kind of trickles forward and, and into the feet of uh, Saka, who also I think gets fouled in this play. Mm-hmm. But um, Martinelli picks up the the scraps and turns it into a goal. And everybody was kind of, I, I don't know, the, the Leicester players did not look like they were 
on it. Like they were not turned on for what was happening because I think they thought a foul was going to get called because Odegaard yeah. was pretty much run over. And so I think <laughs> they hesitated thinking that it was a clear foul as well. And it worked in our favor because we were turned on and, and just took, took the opportunity to score. And, uh, Martinelli again, mm. taking advantage. Yeah, I mean, and it was great to see because you could see Martinelli. It was, you know, a very fractional offsides call, but he was in the right spot and was able to take the pass from Osaka, I guess is what you would call it, and uh, just bury it and be so clinical. And, you know, again, Osaka in his post-match interview was just talking about not only being patient, but knowing that you'll get your chance and you just have to bury that chance when you get that. And that's what Martinelli did is he got that chance and he just, he buried it. Yeah. Um, so great to go into the half two goals up. I think you're feeling pretty confident that mm-hmm. this is going to go on in our favor, especially playing at home. Just, uh, it, it, you, you didn't see anything that Everton was going to, uh, put into this game that was going to bring them back level. I don't think their um, strong suit is coming back into games against teams like Arsenal. Well, I mean, you you look at Everton and they have an amazing lineup. They actually do have really good talent on that team, but they don't have a sharp end of the stick, especially if Calvert-Lewin is injured, which mm-hmm. he was. And you could see that team that they just, they, they didn't have any danger there are a couple of moments ramsdale came up big twice during the game to stop goals uh but really it was a toothless attack it was a it, they had some decent build-up but when that like coming out of that second half i don't even know what that half te- time team talk was because they were so docile coming back it was almost like they were trying to uh prevent more goals rather than try and get back in the game my my absolute favorite part of the game wasn't the goals it was as we were it was either two or three nil up when we were passing in the back line and you got the whole crowd going ole and it must have been uh-huh. about 20 20 oles it felt like it went for a while it was it, it was great and you could see and especially by the third goal everton just gave up their their their, their team didn't care that fourth goal was as as, uh, as much a symptom it was as much a, a good Arsenal play as it was also Everton's defense just really not caring. Yeah. But I, I do think, I mean, we definitely took advantage of their, their lackadaisical mm-hmm. approach. Um, and we just kept pounding away. It just felt like there was uh, chance after chance. And every time we went forward, we looked like we could score. And that was, I think that made that that second half just really really fun because yeah. it just they felt so threatening. Yeah, and it was it was just free flowing, attacking. It's some of the best uh, I've seen them play. We all have to remember this is also Everton nineteenth place. Everton, sure. But the, the nice part is like this is we have almost grown used to struggling against teams like this, and when you lost to them previously. It, it's like, well, that we are capable of that. Like we can't count this out because even teams we should beat, sometimes we um, really don't com- have this sort of commanding performance against like we should. 
for a team that is at top of the league. Like this is this is the type of game you should be having. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we we've become so accustomed to to failing at these games that when we actually do what we're supposed to, it's kind of shocking to us. Right. Yeah. Um, and just so look, it also look so comfortable doing it. Like it, it's not, it's not the struggle, you know, like it, it, even though we didn't play well for, or not, and I wouldn't even say we didn't play well. I just say didn't find a goal for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's really what it came down to. Um, it, it still is a team that is in control and doing things the way that they want to do them. Like there, it, it's not like, we're having to play our way into games and get warmed up or it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like they're prodding. They're looking for ways in. They're looking to figure out how to attack teams. And when they figure it out, you get this. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a huge change in that they're, they're not ever really out of games. Like they are, they are capable of playing their way into um, things and, and just taking control. And that's that is a different look that we haven't really seen enough of. Yeah, and I think it's it's great to see the performances of. Uh, as I said, I think Zhivchenko had such a great game, and Trissard had such a great game. There's you know some players that were a little bit quieter. I think our defense was pretty much rock solid, and I'm loving a second clean sheet in a row. Uh, early on in the game, one of the things I was thinking about, I almost put it in the Discord, then I realized it'd be an interesting topic of discussion in the podcast, so I figured mm-hmm. I'd save it for this, which is right now, a three-point lead and a two-point lead are the same thing because we are... Man City is ahead of us in goal differential. So it's like they have an extra point. Hmm. And so in games like these, we really do need to take advantage and get as many goals as we can. And this game knocked the goal differential down to six goals, which is actually, well, not ideal, not insurmountable. Mm-hmm. We could chip away at that. We can we can chip away at that because, but I, I mean, a tie would have been fairly useless to us. It would, would have put us at uh, three points ahead, which, as I said, three points ahead doesn't matter it's still a, a, a win away and if uh, man city gets that three points and we're tied they're gonna win on goal differential yeah i would hate for a season to come down to something stupid like that especially when we played so well i mean yeah. it'd be horrible to have that be a deciding factor but that that's what we have to think about we have to still think about keeping clean sheets and not worrying about garbage time goal like one of the worst not the worst but in the context of this game probably the the worst result would have been a garbage time goal for Everton that they 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 bring one back because our goal differential is so important keeping those clean sheets and taking advantage of times when we're just dominant over a team is so important and we did both of those during this game and mm-hmm. we we got four goals back on on city yeah absolutely and not to mention getting this this uh the three points from this game in hand so i mean that mm-hmm that was always kind of sitting in the background that we had to take advantage of this game that we had on them. Um, I've learned, that, I've learned very early on in my soccer watching career that games in hand are not an automatic three points that you can count no matter who it's against. Right. Like you can dream that you got those three points in the bag, but it, it, you don't until it, you have a game like you did today where you, you commit convincingly 
take the points and uh, bank them, which we absolutely need that five point buffer. I think as much for as many games as we can put between ourselves and Man City, if we we are not guaranteed, no matter how we're playing, we're not guaranteed to win out the rest of the season. We are probably going to drop points at some point again. So we need to have that as much buffer as we can get. I mean, we have one more game against City, which is definitely not a guaranteed three-pointer for us. So, right. I mean, uh, it, it that that's still skills still scary on the horizon. But I think we've looked as far as other teams go. I feel very confident with the way we're playing. Was there anything else in this game that really caught your eye? I mean that that last Martinelli goal with the the. The feed from Enkedia was mm. was very nice. You can't can't forget that. And I was, you know, Martinelli was sitting on, you know, he was about to, about to get his hat trick when, lo and behold, Emil Smith Rowe makes his, <laughs> his appearance. And I I was like, okay, I'll 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 give up on a Martinelli hat trick if it means Emil Smith Rowe can get some minutes. So um, I was happy to see him get get some meaning somewhat meaningful time on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a, it's a a process back and I think the the hard part for Mill Smith Rowe is that, you know, he's come back from injury to a team that is stacked in his position. We have so many options in his position. It's 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 not even funny. So it's it's going to be a, a battle to get those minutes. So it's nice to see him back on the field. It's nice to see that there's going to be competition for those spots and I mean I can't really remember any magical moments from him in the game, but no, he he looked like he had some rust on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's to be expected. I think he's 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 got a ways to go to get back to where he was, but at least he is um, on the field, which is where he's going to find the most um, the the easiest path back to to full fitness is is getting as much game time. So. Someone who I wasn't necessarily excited, I wasn't unexcited, but I wasn't looking for who came on who impressed me was Vieira. I thought Vieira had a good substitute appearance as well. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked dangerous. I thought he was involved in a lot of the play. Yeah, I'm less less and less worried about him the more I've seen of him lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was a period in the middle of the season where um, there were some question marks. You know, just a few weeks ago, I think he was kind of... Uh, I, I don't know. He he seemed to like he'd regressed a little bit from where we had seen him at the beginning of the season, um, and I th- I feel like he's he's making um, more stable uh, appearances. Like mm-hmm. it, it seems like he was a little erratic in some of the um, times we'd seen him through that rough patch where he uh, would kind of fade in and out of the game, and when he when he was on he looked great but when he was off he was either invisible or kind of making bad plays so to be expected you're going to have that that sort of transition at some point um i hope that he's uh everything that we've seen from the best side of his game i think he's he's looking much more like a a positive asset than than a somebody who's going to uh fail at arsenal so i think that's that is a really really good sign that he's going to have uh, a good run in. I mean, I think he, he, he's got to now impo- uh, uh, make an important impact on the team when he gets in. Was there anybody else that stood out in this game in your mind? Uh, I mean, let's see. It was, I, I mean, I think 
I liked Enkedia's insertion as well. And, you know, I don't think he played an amazing game, but I like that it changed the way we played. Mm-hmm. And it really changed the the focus. And he had that, that, that assist was great. I, I love that assist. And I think it, uh, I think in my mind, if I were football manager in this or FIFA in this, this mm-hmm. is kind of how I'd play with, you know, starting with a false nitrous sard to begin the game. And then as you have tired legs and less focus, put a more direct option in, and that makes it harder to defend against. Yeah, I think he, um, I totally lost my train of thought. No worries. It's gone. <laughs> okay well uh there is one more player i i have to call out in this one and that's uh odegaard because he had an he had one of those goals that i think he needed to get to get his game back on track i think that he was looking um he was looking a little off for a few games as well i think that ever the team was looking off in general but yeah. i feel like odegaard was as a as a leader, as somebody who um, really feeds off the team around him, he was trying to do a lot and wasn't finding success in all of it. And so he was kind of fading in and out of games too. And to see him really, I, I think his, his involvement, his work rate, he had some great defensive plays in this. Uh, I, I don't know what he, what you would call, um, he he had a tackle in there where he took the ball off the guy with his back, his <laughs> heel. I don't even yeah. know how you describe it. Um, it was, it was amazing. And he just, he was everywhere he needed to be and getting that goal, I think is a, a, an important piece to getting him on track as well. I think goals, goals really do a lot to get your, your, your mentality back to where it needs to be. Yeah. And as it, you know, it's 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 nice to see that there's so many different threats going everywhere for a team that you just can't like when and Everton definitely did triple team Sokka at this point, which is probably why we were going down the left side so much. But when you triple team Sokka, it means you know you have Martinelli open, you have Jenchenko uh, open, but you also have Odegaard open, and it, he's you know very high up on both the uh, the goal scoring and the uh, the assist uh, tallies for the league. So, you know, you you focus on one player and it's going to start meaning that other players, you know, are going to start being open and have the, these opportunities. And other teams have to realize that if you give it to a player like Oldegaard, he's going to score. Yeah, you, it, when you have a team that has uh, almost four players that are sitting on... Um, well, Trissard's got eight goals on the season, Odegaard nine, uh, Saka with 10 now, Gabriel Martinelli with 11. When that's what you're up against, who do you, who can you shut down that isn't leaving you exposed somewhere else? Yeah. I, they, these guys are feeding off of each other and the interplay and the, the spaces that they're able to open up, like it, it is exactly what you want. And when you're talking about that false nine position, it really is about throwing everything at a team. It's not there. The focal point isn't, is that whole front line and it's hard for teams to stop. 
And it, it makes me excited for when uh, Jesus does come back because I think you have a, a, a striker that can also play in that system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think when Jesus comes back, it's not going to be the same type of game that like Enkedia plays. I think you have Jesus that will willingly switch roles with other players, move around the, the field, but has a little bit more of that striker's instinct. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it even even more dangerous. And I wouldn't be surprised that when Jesus comes back, his goal scoring goes up for a bit because one of the reasons his goal scoring started to kind of tick down was that they were double, triple teaming him in the box. And that was leaving Saka open. It was leaving Martinelli open. So yeah, it's a, somebody else can benefit from that space for sure. And yeah. that's what we need to get back to is the, the creating chances for the rest of the team. I think with playing that selfless game, it's really been paying off. And the, uh, the addition of, of, Jesus back into the the fold with, when you haven't even seen him play with Trossard or Jorginho mm-hmm. uh, yet. I mean, I think there's things that this team has yet to reach. And so having that playing as well as we're playing and still having that just waiting in the wings is is pretty tantalizing. I'm 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 excited to see the level that this team can get to when he returns. And remember, this is also ahead of a schedule. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, this is a this is just the first start of where we want to be, and I'm. It it really does bring into focus that I think, for as bad as our transfer strategy had been, previous years, you know, you you think of the David Luis, the uh, William Willie I am uh, signing <laughs> uh, some of these bad pieces of business that we've done you cannot fault the the transfer win- windows in the last two three when probably three four windows i would actually say it's a it's a it is a coherent plan that's going together it's a very different plan from some other teams <coughs> chelsea uh <laughs> where you throw money at a problem and hope the money works this definitely was a strategy and there's a coherent idea of how this team is going to work and you just have to doff your cap. Absolutely. And like you, you don't even have to look too far. I mean, you look at a game where um, we were able to maintain dominance and to like, Georgina wasn't feeling good. <laughs> they took him off at the half cause he, he felt kind of crummy and you're able to bring in a, a player like party and vice versa. They, they have found ways to shore up this team and, um, if we can weather this this period without Jesus and you know given in Keddy a minutes who's going to be able to be hopefully a, a, another asset through the rest of the season that we can tap into for Europa League and um it, it's i you when when this team is firing on all cylinders and you have all the pieces available i think it's it's pretty amazing what they've been able to accomplish and the wage bill is way low compared to mm-hmm. the the man united's and the chelsea's out there we're like for we're overperforming for what we're shelling out right now yeah and really you're you're starting to see teams adjusting to the five subs rule at least arsenal is adjusting to the five subs rule i think when we go back in 20 years one of the biggest things that will we'll look back as, as a fundamental change to the game is the five sub rules to the point now 
where you can change half the outfield team. You can have a mm-hmm. basically a completely different team and tactic whenever you, you, you want to. And it just puts a lot more pressure on the bench and the teams that are adjusting to that as opposed to just sticking with, you know, a strong 11 and maybe a couple of points here and there of, of, of changing. It's an outdated mode. And I think that's where our front office has really figured out this and really strategically gotten the pieces together and done it well. Yeah, it makes me excited for what they're going to be able to do with the Champions League on the horizon and mm-hmm. what they could do with that money and potentially more with a Premier League title, you know, just the mm. the prestige and, and things that, that that adds to the team. Um, who who would not want to play for, for Arsenal at that point? Apparently Modric, but <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> but you, you said those words. You said the words that I'm uh, I'm I'm loath to say the potential championship. And you mentioned that you wanted to, to to bring it up at this point. Yeah, I think it feels very like I'm, it's not a guarantee, but I think it, it is down to us in Man City. I don't see I, 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 f- I feel like we're in the driver's seat. And I feel like I can say that with with some confidence after this game in that, like I said, the the train or the, the wheels did did not fall off of this. It is. uh still something that is achievable and something that the way we've been playing, we have very good chance to make a, a, a realistic run at. I, yeah. I just don't think you can um, look at the way we've been playing and think that there is any uh, truth to the rumors that, that we're out of the running. I think that is, it. we are definitely going to make a run at this thing now. I'm not going to say we're out of the running by any stretch of the means or any stretch of the imagination, but uh, my lovely fiance always calls me dream killer because I'm going to bring up some uh, points that make me nervous about this, which is a, we still have one game against city Mm -hmm. and that's something that makes me very, very nervous. And also man United's form a team that we probably wrote off earlier in the season, but man United, if you've, if you've watched what they've done, if you see what they've done in the uh, Europa league against Barcelona, if you see the way they're playing, they've turned a corner and mm-hmm. they definitely do have the talent if if they've turned the corner to really make a, a a push. This game in hand definitely put us in a better position. I'm not looking at the table right now. Are they eight points behind us now? Nine points behind us? I think that sounds about right. Let me see. I was, I I'm sorry, I was looking earlier that. before today's yeah. game. Um. So they are eleven points. Oh, eleven! It does make it a little bit better with that game in hand. But they they have a game in oh, hand. Oh, that's right. They do have their game in hand, which you know all the caveats gets games at hand. But I think I think it's going to be a three dog race right now for the title. Mm. And I think as much as we're getting excited about talking about the the title race, I think it's also a very uh, there's a possibility that we finish third mm. in this season. I think uh, City is City. They're kind of going through, they have different priorities. I don't think they're as keen on the title as they have been in previous seasons. I think they're 
definitely much more Champions League focused right now, uh, which gives us a window of opportunity. I'm very nervous about the game, and I think that United has turned a corner. I think Den Hag is a. I, I have a lot of time today for Den Hag. I think he's a fantastic manager. They have some fantastic tools. When you you watch that Barcelona game, they have a lot of the qualities that we have. Uh, so I'm 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 still loath to say that we've got Champions League in the bag, but I feel the Champions League. I feel like we, unless the wheels really come off, we're we're going to qualify for Champions League, which is already kind of where we want to be. But I'm, I I don't know if it, drive, being in the driver's seat, I think we're in a very, very good position to win the title. This is the best position we've been in to win the title for years, 10 years. And it's an opportunity that I think the front office definitely recognized with the signings they made in the transfer window. And I, I, I hope we can maximize this point because it's, you can't necessarily predict what's going to happen next season. What you can do is try and maximize what's happening this season. And I'm, I'm hopeful, but uh, I'm still not saying the things out loud that I kind of believe in my lizard brain in the back. Yeah, there there are opportunities to really bank some points at the second part of this season, mm-hmm. but there's pitfalls. Yeah. There's, there's city and Chelsea three days apart. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. We'll see what happens with Chelsea. Chelsea has, Chelsea could be non thing, non issue. I mean, I mean, it would be just like us, to lose, but like, uh, uh, Chelsea is definitely a club in crisis. I'd be, It'd be interesting to see if Grandpa is still the manager when we uh, meet them. Uh, When I was looking at the fixture list in the next upcoming, I think, like six games, it's a very winnable fixture list. There's a a couple games that are going to be tricky, but a lot of them should be fairly straightforward. And then it... Yeah. It looks like a good run up to the it's a, a stupid international break. I don't uh, even know why this is happening already. European um, qualifiers, the Euros are coming up. God. Yeah, so up until March 19th, you know, you got a couple Europa League games which we should mention. We we did do uh Europa League draw and we're we're getting we're getting Hector back. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yes. Hector's coming home. Um, yeah, so Sporting is is our opponent, and uh, it is it 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 could be tricky. I don't I don't want to take that those that series lightly. No, I mean, at the end of the day, we talk about we you know trades or whatever. I want to go deep into Europa League, but I would rather focus on the league. I, I really, at this point, all I want is the league. All I want for Christmas is the league. Yeah. But uh, as far as the draw goes, when I was looking at it, there are definitely worse teams to have picked up in the draw. Mm-hmm. And that's not to discredit Sporting. They're a good team, though. They will. It'll be a challenging series, but they're. There could have been worse teams to 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 get drawn with, and it gives us a very good opportunity to move forward. I think so. I hope so. But I would like to see um, 
I'd like to see Arsenal get a, a lead in that first leg. Mm-hmm. Um, that would really take some of the pressure off. And and hopefully they're able to rotate and get some time for Neil Smith-Rowe and some other players because I think with this run of games, we do need to pick up as many points as we possibly can from the Premier League. Yeah. So if you can keep some fresh legs in there... Um, and you might, I don't know, we might see Jesus by the second leg, Ooh. potentially, maybe off the bench. Well, I mean, I, I, I heard he's training training with the first team already right now. Yeah, I'm not sure how far along he's going to be, but I think the rumors were he would either be ready to go just before the international break or right when they come back. So potentially he could be, if he's doing well, he could be coming off the bench by that second Europa League game. Yeah, and I wouldn't, as we were talking before, because of the depth of our bench, I wouldn't mind some rotation, not because I think sporting is going to be an easy game, but that I think we have some some players that need to rest and their replacements are not horribly far behind. I mean, we'll, we'll have a podcast that we specifically speak about this uh, next week, which will be right mm-hmm. before. But I'd love to see maybe Tierney and Tommy also getting some starts. I would love to see... I mean, I think Turner is going to be the keeper, right? We're going to be staying with a cup keeper. I I think he's done well. Yeah, I think he's done well enough to to get this get us through this round at least. And you know, getting Smith Rowe, I think, is a great shout for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Party starting that with a Jorginho taking over some minutes. Right, I think that would be. Um, hopefully I, I like it having, uh, Jorginho and party kind of interchangeable. Like it's mm-hmm. been, we've seen them take good chunks of games, uh, recently. I don't know how that's going to be now that party is fully healthy, but, um, you know, it, it is, it is nice to, to be able to kind of match up those players with whatever tactics you want to deploy. So that, that can be an option for Arteta as, as far as, Two two healthy midfielders that offer you different different things. Um, it's it's a great great thing to have when you've got a, a tight run of games. Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Jaka is someone that I probably missed uh, mentioning in the la- I did miss mentioning when we were covering the last game. Who I thought had a spectacular game again, and he's a player that might need some some rest and some minutes off because he's been playing a lot of minutes. Yeah, we'll have to see what what uh, um, Arteta tosses out next week as our, as the lineup for for that. But we'll talk more about that uh, in our next episode. For now, we have Bournemouth on the weekend, and that's uh, <laughs> I don't I, I don't know that we should uh, be ultra concerned based on the the form that we're playing in. Um, but I I, th- I don't think you can take any any game in the Premier League too lightly, but you know, they're doing worse than Everton. So that that might tell you where what level we can expect. Again, yeah, I mean, all respect to Bournemouth, they're a Premier League team and any Premier League team can can win on the day. We saw that with Southampton against uh, City. Uh it can can happen, but this is a game we should you know, if we played like we played against Everton, it should be a very similar result. 
And I don't see any reason why we don't do that. I, I, I think, you know, player for player, we have the ability, we know what Southampton, or not uh, Bournemouth, sorry, not Southampton. We know what Bournemouth is going to do, which is very similar to Everton. They're just going to come in, try and spoil the game. There's going to be a lot of uh, uh, dark tactics. There's going to be a lot of players packed behind the box. But again, you know, it's patience and ruthlessness. Patience to find the uh, the opportunities and ruthlessness when you take it off. And that's, you know, what I expect from this team. I think we have a bunch of players that are patient and ruthless at this point. Absolutely. I think that the type of game that we just had really sets them up to go aggressive against Bournemouth, you know, feeling like you are carrying that momentum into the next game, I think will really improve upon kind of the the slow start we had in this game. I think if you know that you're capable of beating a team that puts out those same sorts of tactics, it's like, well, we just did this a few days ago. It's let's, let's pick up where we left off. So I, I think they're going to come out firing a little bit sooner than, um, than we saw against Everton. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, I could see a very similar play pattern, which is early on, it's just going to be hard to break them down. But then once, and if not once, if we get a a goal, it's going to just open up the game and it's, it's going to be one of those games where we can maybe chip away at that goal differential. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, Trissard maintains his, his place in the lineup or do we switch back to Vincadia with the short turnaround? With the short turnaround, it's it's, it's interesting, but I, I I do know that Arteta's been on the record saying he feels that players should be able to play three games in a week. And from past experience, from pre-World Cup, we saw that he stuck with a lineup pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. I think he will look at that 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 lineup and go, the 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 changes I could possibly foresee is maybe Party starting over Jorginho, but I think. Mm-hmm. He may he may stick with basically that same lineup. Maybe Tommy Asu and for White. I don't know. Like, may, but no, I I I think it's probably going to be exactly the same lineup. I would be I would be surprised if we switched it up. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in agreement, especially when you consider the Europa League is is on that mm-hmm. following Thursday. So then you could give all those guys the other B squad, so to speak, to the 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 game on on Thursday. And, and give all those guys some minutes. So um, not a not a bad plan to maintain some continuity and get as many points as you can. And uh, I think you can you can go to the bench early and get some mm-hmm. guys ready to to hit the ground running on Thursday as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you kind of go with like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. And I re- especially that second half, it wasn't like it was a fierce, fast game. This uh, this Wednesday game, I, I you know, I think a lot of players took it pretty easy the second half, and I think uh, a lot of the uh, players were pulled out early. Saka left early, Trissard left early, uh, Jin- no, not Jinchenko. Yeah, Jinchenko left early too. Yeah, Katerni came on. So there, there are a lot of players that got their rest. So yeah, I mean, I think you power through this week. It seems like that formation the last two games even though the Leicester game we didn't score four goals we were very dominant I think he probably feels like he's found a formation that will work and I think against Bournemouth you got to feel that these players 
can put it through. And then, as you said, maybe get some of those players some rest during the Europa League. Do you, this is kind of circling back a little bit, but do you feel like Trossard is the solution we've been looking for up top? Is he a, an Enkedia replacement at this point, or is it just something new for for Arteta to play with? I think that you have to break the question into long-term and short-term. Mm-hmm. I think short-term, it is the solution. I, probably the best solution, especially when you look at the striker market. There's just, there, there, there isn't good strikers available during that window. There just wasn't. You had Gakpo, who I'm still unconvinced with, uh, whoever uh, man you picked up. Uh, but uh, it wasn't a great transfer market for strikers. And also, given the fact that I think Arteta may have a predilection to be doing the false nine thing, and that you're looking for a very specific type of striker. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a non-answer, which is it is a solution as opposed to the solution. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily Trissard's preferred position. I don't think it is necessarily going to get the best out of Trissard, but it might be the best formation to get the most out of the players we have available. I will point out he he would have scored an amazing goal from that position had it not been for VAR. So I, I, I think he can be very effective there. If I just... Um, it may be just we ride this out until Jesus mm-hmm. is back in the, the picture because I think when you're looking at the type of player, uh, Tris- the type of player Trissard is, and you compare that to what Jesus brings to the game, there's much more align- uh, alignment between those two players than what Nkedia brings. And that's not to say you can't switch it up tactically, but I think if you're looking to play your best free-flowing style, then you're going to get more of that from Trissard, and that's that's more what Arteta's looking for. Yeah, exactly. As I said, it, I, I think it's a very short-term solution with an eye for the fact that Jesus is coming back, mm-hmm. is what this this uh, Trissard is striker. And it, it's basically, it really does, and I'm not trying to compare quality to the championship w- or the World Cup winning Spanish team, but the tactical formation is very similar where you don't have an out-and-out striker. You have a, a band of attackers that are all interchanging, all switching around positions, all kind of filling in, and so like Chassard is nominally the, the 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 tip of the spearhead, but really it's just changing these players out and moving them around, and you don't have a recognized striker. It's it's you know if you ever read Inverting the Pyramid, great book by the way. It is you know that total football idea of how we should play right now yeah and we know that that's like influential in the the style that we're seeing right mm-hmm. now i mean not to get to 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 down the weeds but like you know it's a direct line from the ajax team of the 70s to barcelona from barcelona is where you get pep guardiola and where pep guardiola get or where arteta gets it from is pep guardiola this is a direct line from something that's been going on for 30 years and I think we will see more and more of it and, you know, see less of this idea of a, just as the two striker formation is really getting out of favor, you'll see less and less of the one striker and you'll see a, a, an attacking band that are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. It, it is exciting to be 
playing something that's just more entertaining to watch. It is, it is, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what their tactics are. At least it's games like today that remind me that I'm really happy to be an Arsenal fan. As, you know, as opposed to Spurs, which even if they're winning, play the most horrible soccer you could ever watch. Right. There's such, there's such so many worse ways we could have gone. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, even Emery was kind of difficult to watch oh, yeah. at times. So I, it's, um, it is so nice to have something to really fall in love with again. Yeah. And it's nice to be on the forefront of soccer tactics again. Cause that's what, one of the things that was Wenger's legacy is we were the most innovative club in England under Wenger. And then mm-hmm. we kind of lost our way for a little bit. And even Wenger lost his way a little bit. And now we're back on the forefront of tactics and strategy. Yeah, it's a very, very nice place to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is there anything else we want to say this week? I think we've covered covered it all. Just that I love this team. Today, today yeah. was it was a perfect day for watching Arsenal for me. And it's days like these that make me really excited to be an Arsenal fan. So, yeah, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a happy camper. Yeah, even after today, I'm just like, I'm ready to reload and go again. Oh. So Saturday can't get here soon enough. I know. I might even wake up earlier as opposed to watch the uh, the replay. It's only 7 a.m. Oh. It's very doable. You know, so Saturday, 7 a.m. Well, I mean, that's doable. But like, I usually get home from work at about 3 o'clock in the morning. So that's like four hours of sleep <laughs> for me. So you just go right back to bed. That's what I do at the 4 a.m. games. Sleep for a little, wake up, mm. watch soccer, go back to bed. No, once I'm up, I'm up. That's uh, <laughs> something about me. No, I, I hear that. It's sometimes very challenging. I, spe- I especially like my morning coffee, so I have a hard time mm. like wanting to go back to bed. Yeah, totally. All right. Let's call it a week. Uh, let's call it an episode. Have you reviewed and subscribed to our show i have reviewed and subscribed to our show and i've given it four or a five-star review have you reviewed and subscribed to our show i have in several platforms please go do the (laughs) same thing um yeah do it on several places if you haven't reviewed us if you think somebody else is going to do it for you think again yes i know some of you have been listening for a while and it would take you a few minutes to review and subscribe so that more people can join us every week So it's a huge help if you can take five minutes every day and just go review us wherever you're listening to us right now. Um, Thank you in advance for that. Uh, Theme song from Bobcat. Go check them out. BOBC.AT is their website. Uh, You can check out their most recent music and much more. Go go check them out if you like our theme song. Uh, Twitter is at W of N London. Email us at westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to send us a voicemail, anchor.fm slash westofnorthlondon slash message. And of course, there's always the Discord, which you can find by clicking the link in the show notes. I always want to give a shout out to the Discord. It's uh, so fun on game day to sit there and chat with people. I don't get often onto it on game day because, as I said, I work during a lot of the games or sleeping. But uh, when I do, it's always a pleasure to, to go chat with everybody and share our thoughts of Arsenal as I go live. Yeah, definitely. I encourage everybody who's listening to come join us. It, that It's not like you have to make a big commitment. It's just there for you when you need somebody to talk to about Arsenal. Mm-hmm. So 
not not a bad thing to have in your life. Um, okay, I think that is everything. Uh, send us questions. We didn't have any questions this week, but uh, we would like to get some more from you. So we still had plenty to talk about, but if you want to jump in on that conversation, uh, hit us up. We could we love your questions for each and every episode. So next week, there's always next. Week. <laughs> All right, uh, that's it for us. So as always. See you at the next gun show. <laughs>